0: Hi, and welcome to the IMS Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Barber, and today we're speaking with renowned economist and statistical expert, Dr. Charles Cowan, about the best practices for subject matter experts engaging as expert witnesses on litigation, and for litigators working with experts. Dr. Charles Cowan is an IMS elite expert and contributing thought leader and the chief executive officer and co-managing member for the National Statistics, Finance, and Economics consultancy, Analytic Focus. With more than 40 years of experience, Dr. Cowan specializes in the development of financial research and its use in risk management, improving shareholder value, and in economic impact studies. He's been retained by IMS clients on more than three dozen matters and taught graduate and undergraduate courses. He's authored or co-authored two books and numerous articles on topics including evaluation of survey and census methods, economic measures related to the welfare of the U.S. economy, and rare and elusive population research. Prior to co-founding Analytic Focus in 2002, Dr. Cowan was a director with Price Waterhouse, specializing in financial research, surveys, and audit sampling. Dr. Cowan was the chief statistician for the Resolution Trust Corporation and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, where he designed research necessary to measure the loss from the savings and loan crisis of the late 1980s and capitalization requirements for the RTC transfer to the FDIC. Dr. Cowan served as the Chief Statistician for the U.S. Department of Education, where he designed large-scale surveys in education to measure resource needs and availability and worked for the U.S. Census Bureau, developing research programs for the U.S. and internationally. Thank you for joining. We hope you enjoy today's episode of the IMS Insights Podcast. Welcome, Dr. Cowan.
1: And Chuck, can you tell me a little bit, you know, I mentioned earlier when we first started talking, we've worked with you on at least 40 engagements on business matters. You've got a really interesting background as well. Definitely your subject matter in in statistics and economics, but expert witness work is different. Can you tell me how you first got involved as an expert?
2: I was working as a director at Price Waterhouse and got a call from Carlton Fields, which is a large regional firm down in Florida down in your neck of the woods. And they had this really interesting lawsuit, but they needed to essentially conduct a survey, which is how it wound up with me because of my background and as the chief of survey design at the Census Bureau. So I had gone and I was now working for Price Waterhouse. So I started to talk to these attorneys and discovered that what they had and what they described was really an analytic problem. And my job was to translate what they wanted to know into how do we collect the data and prove or disprove whatever the claims are. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first introduction into the realm of litigation consulting. And I really appreciated the people I was working with because they were willing to bounce ideas back and forth and hear about other things that they might do that they hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was a good two-way interaction.
1: Interesting. And then over the years, Chuck, what have you enjoyed the most about working as an expert witness?
2: So I think I just alluded to one thing, which is when I'm working with attorneys, the thing I I enjoy the most is at the beginning and through the process, discussing different ideas, things that will help support claims or will show that the claims are not supportable. And it's the intellectual interaction. Because I see that, I see my colleagues in the legal profession as essentially developing hypotheses and trying to show them they just don't know that that's what they're doing. (laughs) And so my job is to take and translate what they're doing and put it into a framework that is supportable. And so I enjoy thinking about the problem from their perspective. I enjoy thinking about how I can help And I enjoy the discourse as to what works and what doesn't. And the information I get back during this discourse is you can't do that because you have to make a particular presentation, Mm -hmm. this type of case, or what I want to do doesn't answer the question because it's a contract law claim. Mm -hmm. Or I learn a lot at the same time that I'm doing this work.
1: Sounds like some intellectual challenge that's enjoyable too.
2: And I I would say it's also true for all of the people who work with me Mm -hmm. here. I mean, the, the reason that they enjoy this is it's something different every day Yeah, and it's an intellectual challenge. How do I actually show something or show that it's not true?
1: Right. Interesting. And you mentioned litigators too, you know, the legal team. So for a litigator who is working with an expert witness for the first time, what would be your advice to that person? To really have a smooth engagement and to get to that level of putting the pieces of the puzzle together, harnessing that intellectual challenge to advance the case.
2: I think in some cases, I think the answer depends on whether they're dealing with a new expert done this before or uh, somebody who's seasoned. Because if you're dealing with a seasoned expert, they should know enough about the legal background to be able to throw out some ideas and have a good discussion with you. Yeah. If it's a new expert, then what happens is that uh, part of the work of the litigator is to educate that person to keep their mouth shut. And I was a little harsh when I said that, but sure. actually most of the time the biggest problem I see with people who've never testified before is that they want to show, you know, how much they know and I'm sure that many of them know a lot, but you know, if you're asked a question, uh, yes or no is a fine answer.
1: Right. Well, and that was one question I was curious about, too, for those many experts we see at IMS may be a highly recognized industry authority, you know, well known in their field, well known in academia, but they've never been retained as an expert before. And it is kind of a different thing to be a subject matter expert versus preparing for work as an expert witness and working with an attorney you know, looking back at your very first engagement, what would you have wished you would have known back then or had had someone prepare you for? And what advice would you give to a brand new subject matter expert who is, you know, looking at engaging for the very first time on litigation?
2: So that's actually very easy for me to respond to because this is something I go through with people I hire Mm. and I have to go through this with them. I would say, first of all, that my experience with Carlton Fields continued. I've worked several cases with Carlton Fields, and then subsequently in some of the IMS cases. So you talked about you know, cases that are residential mortgage-backed securities cases. And what I found was that I was exceptionally well-prepared by most of these law firms for what it was that they thought was going to come up, what were the key issues that needed to be addressed. And as long as as you're preparing the expert, you explain why this is important, what is the focus of your case and how to keep from meandering away from that, you can be incredibly helpful. I would also say that my biggest problem in training people is to get them to answer the question that they were asked. So a lot of reports come to me and they always start with, Well, we did this, then we did that, then we did this, and there's a theory over here. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, what was the question and what's the answer? And then I always find that like buried towards the end. And so I rewrite the reports and then explain to people that this is different. There's a specific claim. There's a specific question. The, The focus is, what's the question and how do I answer that? And what is the answer? Not so much how do I answer it, but what is right. the answer? And then later, you can describe how you did it. Okay? Sure. Everybody wants to show how smart they are instead of answer, and you know, and then eventually get to the answer, as opposed to saying you asked me this, the answer is yes, the answer is no, the answer is it could be depending on these following three circumstances. Right. And then you show how you got there.
1: The methodology, but, and yeah,
2: yeah. And I would say that, you know, for litigators. That can be really frustrating for a litigator. And so because somebody just keeps coming and talking or explaining, and there's like too much explaining going on. Uh, So the litigator, I think, can help the expert by explaining to them that, you know, it's a simple question, what's the answer? And then once they start to deviate from that, you, you rein them in, you start over until that becomes a habit.
1: Very interesting. And jargon is another one I wanna talk with you about too. And knowing that you train, you know, professionals coming into analytics focus, subject matter experts, scientists, engineers, you know, we can kinda get very enamored with the jargon of our industries. How important is it thinking from the perspective of an expert witness? How important is it to be able to communicate clearly to an audience who may not be an expert in your field, who may not kind of know, you know, these terms, CMBS, RMBS? What role does that play in communication?
2: Well, it's very important because you're communicating with a bunch of people who are not familiar with my terminology, and those are my clients. And then over and above that, my client and I are then trying to think about how do I present this to a judge or to a jury? Right. And what I've discovered is, is that I'm told frequently that juries are an eighth grade level and I, I disagree. I think that most of the juries I've seen have been, you know, upper high school, high school senior level, mm-hmm. but that still means that I have to explain my terms. Sure. Now I am maybe not the best person to ask this question of because I, I'm cheating. And that's because my undergraduate degree was in English literature, and then I had to go and get a second bachelor's degree in economics because my dad wanted me to get a job. And so, you know, so I continued on in economics and then in statistics, and I've got all that background. But in terms of presenting and explaining to somebody, I understand the value of keeping it simple and direct.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very good points. And then I have to ask you, Chuck, have you had any mentors in your career who especially kind of shaped your path, your direction, helped you see, you know, that is actually an interesting field? I'm very curious about questions and curiosity. So I'm, you know, when I study statistics and economics, anyone who really stands out when you think about those mentors along the way?
2: I think I'd point out three. One was in statistics, uh, a guy named Seymour Sudman who was a brilliant statistician, but very laid back kind of guy. He was at the Survey Research Lab at the University of Illinois. And he was really good at getting me to see the bigger picture rather than focusing strictly on the statistics. We were working on interesting things like counting the number of missing children in the United States or doing some type of projection based on unusual branches of statistics. And then I was working at the Census Bureau, he was at the university, and he invited me to be a visiting research professor for a year University of Illinois. And I learned so much in that environment in terms of how to deal with business problems and explain things to people rather than going completely technical. So even though I talked about the English background, I also learned this by emulating other people who were very good at it. On the litigation side, I'm going to go back to how I first started out and then how I progressed because I had mentors in two different ways. So when I first started out, there was a gentleman named Mark Brown, and he was prepping me for depositions. And he would ask me a question, and I would say, yes, and it's because, and he would slap the table. To get me to stop talking. And he kept doing that until I realized that the answer to the question was yes or no. Right. And all of that embellishment huh. was giving up information that I shouldn't be giving up. And I found that to be incredibly valuable. So every time I now do a deposition, I've always got Mark sitting at my side slapping the table. Sure. But that was early in my career. And then later as I developed it and I listened to the question and understood where they were going. Okay, So this is a learned skill. You have to listen and think about, well, where are they going to be four questions from now? And how can I stop them from getting there? Right. Okay, Which is not always what you want people to do as experts. Right. But again, a different set of folks at Carlton Fields and then Philippe Salindi, while he was at Quinn Emanuel, developed what Philippe described as counterpunching. And counterpunching is doing exactly what I said, which is I'm asked a question, but if I give a simple yes or no, I'm just opening up a pathway to pursue sure. as opposed to anticipating what the question really is trying to get to yeah. and counterpunching so that they can't get there. Right.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Great we kind of thought about those mentors along the way too for you, Chuck. Yeah. So this is, I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. Definitely a lot of interesting. I think, foresight and insights for our audience on CMBS especially. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about?
2: I think the only other thing that I wanted to mention is is that there's a lot of information that is available on all the topics that we've covered. We talked about rents. We talked about forbearance for renters. We talked about wage rates. We talked about the changing path for businesses as to whether or not they're going to so each one of those is a separate topic. What is required is a big-picture view that says this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and there's a confluence mm-hmm. of these events that are eventually going to affect the economy in a variety of ways. And one particular area that I'm familiar with is the commercial mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. So as we're discussing this, what I'm really saying is you know, open your eyes, open your ears, think more broadly, and that will get you to a place of anticipating rather than reacting. Right. And so that's kind of my final thought. That is what I do. That's what we do. I mean, I've already been through Bloomberg to see what information is available, how it could be used, how we could do forecasts. And the idea is to figure out well, if I can forecast this, then that just helps everybody figure out what ultimately might happen. Right. So I wanted to say thank you to you also. This has been a very enjoyable experience, and it was great being able to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, likewise. I really enjoyed it, Chuck. Thank you again.
2: This was wonderful.
1: I enjoyed it too. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it.
0: Great speaking with you.
1: All right. Talk Bye. to you soon.
0: Thanks again to Dr. Charles Cowan for speaking with us today, and special thanks to you for joining in and listening. At IMS, we're trusted to deliver consultative trial and expert services for the most influential global firms. It's been our privilege to serve our clients on more than 20,000 cases and over 1,000 trials, and to connect you with the sharpest subject matter experts and meaningful insights on important matters. If you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, email our editorial team at editor at make sure to subscribe to our podcast and join us next time on IMS Insights. Thanks again.